0: And Welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Owen O'Sullivan and coming up on the show today we have Usheen from Thumper interviewed at his gaff in Dublin. We have a chat with the newly Berlin-based Joe Furlong about his brand new band The Cope and we hear their debut single and we get an introduction to Nisha, a queer Irish songwriter, multi-instrumentalist and producer who released a debut EP earlier in the summer and we have a track from that too which you'll hear at the end of the show. Does that sound good to you? Good? Good? Good. Was that a good introduction? Hopefully that sounded good. Uh, I wish I had a catchphrase a la Mark Maron on WTF. He's obviously a big influence on me, loves his music, has been doing podcasts since pre-serial days, and I've just had one of those months where I've been listening to all of his shows. You know how you dip in and out of it, depending on how well you know the guest, but really you're there for Mark. Well, I am anyway. He's playing Vicar Street on October 26th, by the way. I'm hopefully going to go to it. A comedy show that isn't Joanne McNally in Vicker Street? Yes, apparently so. P.S. If any PR is listening to this and wants to hook me up with an interview with Mark on the podcast, oh, yes, please. we will talk about Irish music. He'll tell me about you too. I'll tell him about Fontaine's DC. It'll be beautiful. It'll be beautiful. Anyway, he's got a great introduction to his podcast. You know, you know, you know, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it here. No, no, I won't. I won't. You don't want to hear me do impressions. But maybe I can just steal it and just use that going forward in my own accent. Anyway, might brainstorm that over the next week. See if I can come up with something for next week's episode. Which, spoiler alert, just something to look forward to. It's shaping up to be a really good episode. But this one is good too. Just just so you know. Just so you know. It's, this is a good episode. First up, an interview with Ushin Leahy-Furlong, the frontman in the six-piece noise pop band thumper. They're completed by Alan Dooley on guitar and backing vocals, Alex Harvey on guitar and backing vocals, Dave Campbell on bass and backing vocals, and Steve Darcy on the drums, and Benedict Warner Clayton on the drums. Yes, two drummers, don't worry, we get into that. Thumper released their long-awaited debut album Delusions of Grandeur in March, so I was delighted that Oshin was up for a chat a few months on from that i found them in between tour dates they just wrapped some european shows and we're enjoying some downtime before two shows in one day at independence and all together now at the end of july then they're heading back out on tour in a couple of weeks some pertinent dates for you i won't read all of their tour dates but they're in peterborough in the uk in the Matt lounge on august 24th colchester's three wise monkeys on august 25th Reading and Leeds Festival, in that order, on Saturday and Sunday, August 27 and 28. I've never been to Reading Festival. I feel like I'm too old to go now. But anyway, anyway. Uh, They're doing Paris, Belgium, Germany, Netherlands, Germany, 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 Netherlands, Netherlands, Netherlands. Then they're back in London at the Lexington on October 4th. Brighton's The Green Door Store on October 5th. Manchester's Night People on October 6th. Then they're doing Ireland Music Week. They're playing that on Friday, October 7th. They're doing Cypress Avenue in Cork on October 12th. Roisin Dove and Galway on October 13th. Whelan's in Dublin on October 14th. And the Casbah Social Club in Limerick on October 15th. You can order Delusions of Grandeur at ThumperMusic.BangCamp.com. And so yeah, here's myself and Oshin. Sitting outside his gaff, just north of Dublin city centre, on a very nice day, I think in July. It wasn't quite a heatwave like this week is turning out to be, but sure, it was warm enough to sit outside and have a chat. And so sitting outside, there's a little bit of noise, you might hear some planes in the sky, you might hear a little bit of the dart in the distance, but that's atmosphere, right? Right? Let's listen to a bit of the album opener Fear of Art and then you'll hear the chat with Usheen. delighted to have Ashim on the podcast. Uh, You were touring with Thumper recently around Europe, right? Tell tell me about where you were, what you saw, how happy you were to be back on the road.
1: (laughs) Very happy, yeah. Uh, The album came out in March and before that, obviously a big period of um, kind of semi-nothing. Well, nothing in terms of playing live really. So yeah, went over, we were doing some shows in... Netherlands, we were doing a festival in Prague. We we're in Lithuania for the first time. Uh, also did uh, the Great Escape in Brighton and some other bits and pieces. So yeah, it's been it's been great because we also released a few singles over over all the lockdowns and stuff. So this is the first time where our entire set we can hear sung back at us. You know, because a lot of the time previous to that, a lot of these songs weren't released, but we were playing them live. You know. Interesting places to go to. Was it on, like, a bucket list or something that you had that you wanted
0: to get out there? Um,
1: I think it was a situation where in 2020 and 2021, someone, like, you know, pierced through the ether and said, hey, in the future, do you want to play Prague? We were like, yeah, I <laughs> yeah, really, really do. Uh, and Lithuania, likewise. I mean, it's just so cool going that far afield and, and there being... You know, some fans and some people have never heard of us, but all being real receptive and real, um, yeah, just just uh, willing to engage in the in the circus.
0: Is it kind of like a Spotify analytics thing that you're going out there? Are you seeing like, oh, people in Czech public are listening to us. Should we go out there? Does that come into? No, it? not not
1: not. Well, not really. A lot of people, a lot. Of, some of these festivals, you know, to be the same organizer for three or four festivals across Europe so if you do one of them and they, they like you and they know they might have another one that would suit you so um, for instance that, that one we did in Lithu- Lithuania had another one that was going in in Paris uh, we couldn't make it work this time around unfortunately but like that was kind of a connection we made there you know so um, no it's just at this stage we're, we'll just play anywhere you know we're, we've got so much a such a fire in us after being um, grounded for so long
0: do you want to get your plugs in early? Where what, what gigs, what tours do you have lined up for the rest of the year? Rest of the summer, rest of the year.
1: Oh, uh when will this go out? Two weeks. Two weeks, yeah. We'll we'll be at uh Altogether. on Sunday of All Together now, we're doing Sunday of Independence as well. Um we're doing Are they the same? Weekend, yeah.
0: You're doing the same day? Yes, sir. How wait. <laughs> I'm also
1: gonna have been at All Indie- uh Altogether now all weekend, so uh
0: <laughs> okay, so you're playing early at uh, Altogether Now, I'm presuming We're on the We're playing
1: Sunday. early at in Independence and late altogether now. We're playing 11 o'clock at Altogether Now and 6 ish at Indy. Wow. They're only about an hour and a half away, I think.
0: Yeah, okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, both in Munster, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot <that>. yeah. <laughs> Wow, two festivals, one day.
1: Yeah, and then.
0: Take a br- take a bit of a break after that.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, then we're we're heading to Reading and Leeds, um, and we're also doing two shows in the lead Up to that, uh, as part of the uh, Music Venue Trust, it's it's like a like a kind of a organisation in the UK that's that been funding venues and stuff. So it's like a mini tour. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think who's on there. It's like Charlie XCS and and the Coral and the Amazons, and but it's basically just spread out across different venues. Anyway, doing that, doing picnic, and then heading off on tour, Europe, England, first our first full headline Irish tour, that's Dublin, Galway, Cork, and Limerick
0: in autumn.
1: Yeah, in October. Yeah,
0: great, great. Um, have you always kind of been outward facing from Ireland? Is that like one of the tenets of the band when you started, or was there is there something that's only recently happened, or, or is it something It's that hard you don't to think
1: say? About? Like you know s- some. Something's got booked and and rescheduled and didn't happen and you know the last few years of <laughs> nothing has really been that calculated because of all the circumstances so um, we've been dying to play we've done a lot of Irish festivals but uh, I guess we have sort of just done it we've done a lot of touring in the UK and and Europe and. Yeah, for whatever reason, we haven't been able to get a full proper Irish one in. So, yeah, dying to do our own Roche and Dove and Cypress Avenue. And um, we're in the Casbah in Limerick. And then a big Whelan's one in Dublin as well. And how do the crowds compare?
0: Is it easy to spot, like, this isn't an Irish crowd? Like, when you're playing in Prague, when you're playing in, like, Great Escape and stuff like that. Is it like, this isn't an Irish crowd? You can tell the difference between them.
1: yeah. Uh, well, uh, thus far, other than the Dutch shows, a lot of what we've been doing have been festivals. And so festivals are kind of a different buzz anyway. Um, but honestly, there's been nowhere we've been where it hasn't been. There's not like, you know, uh, just a, a, a sea of folded arms or anything like that. <laughs> you know, uh, the Brighton show in particular was pretty crazy. Like we were doing this tiny outdoor stage um, and there ends up being because it was outdoors there was more than you would have fit into any of the tents out there, there was a good like a good few maybe a thousand or two thousand people out it was fucking wow absolutely rammed so so no if, if anything it's kind of like those shows are so good that we can't wait to bring this back home you know yeah
0: was it night like a relief to finally play those type of shows again after the past years like you know you don't want to go too much into the pandemic but I think you know it sounds like the, the lockdown and everything shutting down did have a big influence on maybe finally being able to focus on an album but like was there a relief that you were able to get back to playing live
1: yeah it's, it was a relief and it's also you know that making the album like we did start the album before all, all of that garbage started happening uh and it was just because we were locked indoors that we kind of went so hell for leather at it. Like, it became very built up and very, almost like a claustrophobic kind of a record, you know. Um, and that was sort of a form of therapy that got us through the whole thing. Uh, there was a million times when when I was pretty sure that it was going to, like, the band wasn't going to survive, you know, because it's just so, the unendingness of it not knowing when it was going to stop or when things were going to start, I should say. Uh, So yeah, whenever things were kicking off and we were like, like I say, like Brighton lined up or uh, Prague lined up or whatever, I sort of like, my cards were real close to my chest. I just couldn't get excited about it because I felt like at the last second it was all going to be taken away, you know? So it wasn't until the moment before getting on stage where I could go, okay, you know, I'm, I'm, I love this. <laughs> wow.
0: So, how close did the band get to breaking up then? Like, was it all of you were, I, I presume, like, all of you reached breaking points at different Different parts? times,
1: yeah. And we're a big band. So, you know, luckily at any given point, if 50% of us were having a nervous <laughs> breakdown, there was another three people to kind of keep <laughs> pulling the ship over the hill. So, really, yeah, even beyond the scope of the band, just being a musician, I mean, as you say, I don't want to make this whole interview about that, but. L- You know, I was just, I kind of felt like had I put all my eggs in the wrong basket, you know. I was seriously like, there's no end in sight and I'm so broke and I'm pushing 30 and I'm, you know, it seems like my entire skill set is obsolete, (laughs) you know. But luckily that passed and we got the record out and we're doing shows again so
0: that's the good part so of having a big band i have, I have an acquaintance who we'll call the the grump father i won't put it <laughs> i won't name him but like he shout at the grump father he, he's always given out about like acts have like more than like four members i think he's yeah. just like oh it's never get you know it's never gonna work like what are they thinking yeah you know not not about you guys or anything like that but i think just big bands in general i think you know you see one person or something like that and you're like okay they can make it work they can scale up or whatever but six people that's that's good to know that you've got like almost a support group around you as well so
1: yeah i mean certainly having that big a band is uh (laughs) poses logistical issues um you know we have never got a support slot from anyone because (laughs) of the size of us and the volume of us and you know uh tour manager will just look at that and just go oh, these lads you know they're gobshites and they don't know what they're doing and um, but that kind of the job then for us is to prove to every stage manager every festival organizer every promoter that we act there is method to our madness and there's not there's no uh no one on that stage who isn't completely necessary to to the experience and especially moving forward now we're writing With every passing year, the whole operation kind of gets tighter and tighter in terms of uh, songwriting, in terms of performance. Everyone's got their part to play. But yeah, you know, I'm sure our our manager would prefer there was a couple of hundred shaved off our (laughs) bail every time we got a flight.
0: So have you guys never played a sports slot?
1: Uh, We have a long time ago when there was less members.
0: Oh, okay, so tell me about the start of Thumper. How like how many started it? Were you like the a founding member? The founding member?
1: Yeah, I started it. It originally was a solo project, um, and I brought out three tapes under the name Thumper.
0: Like twenty thirteen.
1: Mm, yeah, 2020? yeah, I think so. Twenty four. I think the first one was around that time. Anyway, yeah, and uh, I had been going through like real bad writer's block and. Yeah, it, the whole purpose of the music was just make something really, really fast and really, as in, create it quickly. And I recorded all the instruments and I just sort of did like one or two takes of everything and bashed it. It was really lo-fi and really kind of ramshackle. And it sort of got me out of that writer's block thing because it just took away the criticism element of it totally, you know. Um, and then I kind of realized I liked the the sound of the music. I don't know, it was it was more childlike or something than anything and ultimately, better <laughs> than anything I'd been writing before. Um, so, anyway, I started getting booked for festivals with that, and then the band. Right, were...
0: just yourself, just like people listening to the. Well, like
1: I'd been around doing bands and stuff for years, so I knew people, and I'd been shot handing out the tapes in Dublin and stuff, just because, like I said, I was I liked the what I came up with. So, um, I think our first gig was Knock and in twenty whatever, and the band then was like. A, 10 piece band I think oh wow because I was just so terrified to be on stage <laughs> so I just surrounded myself with drummers and guitarists and and vocals <laughs> you couldn't say no to anyone I didn't say no to, I, I actively and anyone who was playing the festival I just roped them into doing it so Alan who's now kind of who is obviously the main, one of the main Uh, collaborators in the band at the time i just roped him in and there was someone else was playing guitar so he actually did play the first ever gig and they didn't play with us for two years or something like that so that's how it happened yeah and then gradually bit by bit members stuck kept getting booked and i kind of preferred the collaborating aspect to it more so than the yeah just being locked in your room doing it by yourself because ultimately the finished result was more interesting, you know, and two
0: drummers as well. Was it was it just a case that the two drummers stuck around, like neither, neither one wanted to be the one who left?
1: <laughs> there was a period where I'd have two drummers when I could, uh, but the first gig was two drummers, and most of our gigs ever have been two drummers. Um, it's just
0: such a fucking cool visual, though, as well, isn't it? Two drummers.
1: Yeah, I there's two two records that I came across, and this might date it actually. I don't know what year these came out, but I'm pretty sure it was the same year is. Um, The King Gizzard album, I'm In Your Mind Fuzz, it's a garagey, fuzzy psych album, and they had two drummers, and I was like, and the the first song I heard was called Cellophane, and it's one section of a four-section, it's a third section of a four-section long song, and when I turn on the album, it's the same bass line, but it's a different song, and it was so confusing to me what the hell was going on, and then it gets that bit of the song, and that's the portion they use for the single, you know what I mean? And that blew my mind, and the bass was just doing nothing. It was one note all the way through, and and that... Obviously, (laughs) there's loads of bands who've done that, but for some reason, that hit me. Um, And then I also saw Parquet Courts' KXP session, the first one they did, and they brought out Light Light Up Gold. And yeah, both both those... So the two drummers vibe from King Gizzard, and the really sort of gnarly, atonal guitar solos thing from Parquet Courts, I was like... I have to, f- I have to start a band now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what I have to do. Do Parquet Courts have two drummers? No, they don't. But uh, they do. They do. They're they're kind of juxtaposition of like really atonal, especially in early stuff, so really mm-hmm. atonal, childlike guitar solos over this sort of yeah, I don't know, it's sort of metronomical. I, I guess maybe that's what we got from that. But anyway, those are the two bands that sort of kicked started it. Um, We've moved away from that a little bit now, but...
0: Uh, I'm impressed that you're able to distinguish King Gizzard albums. They've released, like, 30, haven't they? Like, I I was
1: there from the start. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Man, that I mean, that's impressive, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's not their first time. I think it's their third album, maybe. <laughs> of but.
0: course, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, Parquet Chords, the earliest I've gone with them, I think, is just Human Performance. I think that was kind of their, their breakout stuff. The two
1: albums before Human Performance are my two favourites.
0: Favorite. Okay, okay, I'll go back and listen to yeah. them. And so uh the, the band just develops from there like you're just starting to like trust them and kind of the music develops.
1: Yeah, and even still there is members coming and going. Coming and going <laughs> um Stevie who plays drums n- n- first drums <laughs> or whatever you want to call. it. He's been there since the beginning. But just just me and him are the original like a legacy act, you know, like <laughs> all of our kids like taking our instruments and stuff. Um no, yeah, just, just kind of worked out the kinks until we got a lineup that worked collaboratively and personally and all the rest of it, so.
0: And was that there from, like, the first proper singles that you're putting out?
1: As in, like, the studio singles? Yeah, yeah. I can't
0: think of the name of the first single. Uh, this is where not doing it. Um, over Zoom, you know, I would usually have my notes sure. here when I'm interviewing you. I can't think the of the first song.
1: kind of... So post all lo-fi tape stuff, I'm pretty sure the first thing was AFL. Which you can really hear that parquet cartoon from the sound. Yeah. It's just like. different since then pretty much everyone no Alan's on that album on that EP but yeah there's there's other, other heads floating around who've gone on to do their own projects since like
0: and you're all still around Dublin we were talking about this a little bit before we press record you're not a Dublin band it's people from around the environment, uh, like of most
1: of us are from Dublin. I, like I said, like I, I would say we are a Dublin band. Uh, <laughs> other, members of, the band other members of the band might disagree. Alan's from the Leash Carlo border, the the tri country area, whatever <laughs> you want to call it. I don't know, but w- it was just like
0: you're all living in Dublin, like at a kind of a good time as well, like kind of the end of the recession, as well, isn't it? Like, I that suppose was so, yeah, that was like a good. A good creative time around Dublin, I feel.
1: Not, re- yeah, not really for rock bands, though. Really? You know, I don't, what, I, don't what I don't. Was I don't, it a
0: good time for music for then?
1: I don't know. that it was a good time for much. I don't know. What? Like there were spaces, though. You know, like there was block Tea and there was oh, stuff 100%, like that. percent. There's kind more. Of what I'm thinking of totally. There's more spaces mm-hmm. and more appropriately sized venues. You know, you could do a gig in a ninety cap room. You could do a gig in hundred fifty, and now it's way more spaced out. Um, I think we're living musically in the last few years obviously it's well documented that there's been a huge boom of and i i think there's truth to that i think there's a lot of really amazing and and across the board in in you know guitar music and hip-hop and trap music certainly but back then i don't know maybe it's just how i felt but i kind of felt like i didn't i didn't have much of a musical identity i i think one big thing that's happened in the last few years maybe brought on by the um the fontaines is is sort of this um this there's a lack of, like, embarrassment about being Irish in your music. There's a casual sort of, um, you hear it in a Kojak and you hear it in Lancome and you hear it in Fontaine's, you hear it in Girl Band. just sort of, like, a willingness to, to dig into just sort of how we talk, how we are, whereas 10 years ago even, I still think there was a, a lot of kind of Americanisms and... A, just softening of the edges you know what i mean Mm. um so yeah maybe you're right i think there was a lot of spaces for people to grow in around that time and maybe that's that's the natural next step to that but i feel like there's a lot of like folk rock and shit like that (laughs) you know like like post mumford stuff (laughs) exactly yeah
0: (laughs) um do you guys feel like a particularly like irish element to your music i don't i don't know if if anything jumps out at me like thinking about it now
1: I don't think so. I I think a a lot of our... each to their own. Yeah, I think a lot of our influences as a whole are American, uh, I guess, King Gizzard, Australian, you know. Um, It's it's certainly not something we're conscious of or definitely not in the inception of the band. Um, But, like I said, I think there's been a general sea change that sort of bleeds into all sorts of aspects of creativity that I mean, I'm definitely listening to m- more of the music I just mentioned than ever before. Mm. And certainly uh, all of our individual tastes are quite like, we'd be listening to a lot of Irish acts and a lot of softer <laughs> music would be influencing the, the end product, even though you might be able to tell. <laughs> um, but no, I, it, we don't consciously wear it in a sleeve or anything like that. And it's, I think that type of certainly when dog Roll came out that question came up in interviews all the time especially like in press outside of Ireland. i was like cool so what are you doing to be from dublin in your band and i'm like i am from dublin <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in my band yeah that's interesting isn't it like
0: tell me tell me about fontaine's dc yeah. um do you feel do you feel like part of that scene is there a scene in dublin i hope that's not a cliche kind of
1: question That <laughs> i don't think so no i, th- I think uh As in, I don't think it's a cliche question. Yeah, I do feel part of the the scene and it is such that it is, you know. uh, We're using our voices, we're using guitars, using drum kits and we live here uh, and we are influenced by all those bands and we've played shows with them all and that's really all a scene is, you know. I don't... I I think uh, the last two years aside, I think it's difficult to sort of say... Like it's 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 geographical basically, you know? But I think it scene sort of implies that everyone's sort of doing the same thing, you know. But I don't think I think everyone's just influenced by each other and everyone's um, listening to the same shit and 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 using it in different ways.
0: Yeah. Um. Well, I think one of your calling cards, if if it isn't kind of like an Irish kind of a sound or anything like that, is the fact you make really long songs. Like you make fucking great six seven. Eight minutes? I don't know if you've got any eight-minute songs, but... Uh, we do. Yeah? <laughs> um, is there an art to that? And does it just come back to... There's so many members who just want to get their kind of uh, uh creative input into a song. <laughs> you've got to kind of add an extra minute. Does that come into it? I mean, tell me about the art of creating the long song.
1: It, it's, it was not something we were conscious about at all. Certainly at the beginning, I, d- I just didn't notice it. It was only when we brought out the f- that first the out-of-body auto-message EP and kind of in, pre- in the press and stuff and reviews they started talking about how long the songs were and it didn't really occur to me I don't know it it didn't it, we would never make a song long just for the sake of it ever um, and while I love that feeling and the sort of like my bully valentine-esque kind of repetition and meditative state you get into it's i would hate for it to feel like it was just in service of us (laughs) either having a laugh or like pissing off the audience you know but then once we became aware of it there's one or two like for instance the last song on the album is a is 20 minutes long but we just split it into three on the record okay. so it's recorded as one long 20 long 20 minute long piece of music and performed that way so you get like maybe two takes an hour if you're lucky obviously that was an attempt at making a pushing past like the standard you know three section tune or whatever um but and there is an art to that, I guess. I don't know what, what it is. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but you just know that you've got it
1: down. Like we're, we're actually, it kind of sounds, the whole, I think from the outside there's a perception that what we're doing is quite um, loose and ramshackle, but actually, like, each one of the tunes, even the long ones, even when there's one chord, every, there's, every bit of it has been combed over and combed over and combed over, and, you know, we rehearse a lot, in order to make it feel like it's not rehearsed. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, no that that seems to be like a thing with maybe a certain kind of maybe guitar band. Like it, it might sound loose, but it's being thought about. Like I don't know if you know Land Lovers. Uh, they, they released an album like over a decade ago, and I interviewed some of the members um about a, a different band that they were in, and they were saying you know they spent like. Uh, I think that they said like 10 grand or something on the album, but in all of the reviews and everybody talking about it, they they kept calling it lo-fi just because maybe it was just like, uh, that was in like one of their first press releases and you just kind of get stuck with your early adjectives and it's kind of hard to escape it.
1: Yeah, I I will say in fairness, I, I (laughs) you know, if me and Alan are at the center of the band, there's a central conflict to that because he... It's his influence is the influence of perfecting things and coming through things and tightening it up and and just thinking about it a bit more, whereas as is evident in the early lo fi tape days like my initial instinct is always just to press record and just go for it and mm, okay. and have it as raw and loose as possible now we've both like influenced each other over time, so. He's a little looser. He's a little looser, and I'm a little tighter. But th- <laughs> we're constantly pulling and pulling and pulling, and that's potentially what you're hearing, you know, on the record is that is that fight. But um no, I, we would never. There, it would never be a thing where we just be like, "Ah, oh, fuck! We'll just have another minute of this song Like <laughs> you know, what I mean, it's every every bit of it is something that we hope is really uh, important. Uh, yeah.
0: And like we're talking a couple of months on now from the release of the album, are you pr- are you proud of it? Like what you've achieved? Like looking back, you able to kind of savor it and think of the memories? I don't know if you've actually listened back to it at all.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm ready for the next one now. I think. Yeah, <laughs> it's I I because it reminds you of lockdown. No, well, you know, like any first album, it, certainly this one was labored over and is and is forever going to remind me of this period where. We all had huge beards and bellies, and couldn't leave our house uh or couldn't leave the studio I should say um but further than that it's a lot of it is purpose written for the album, but some of it is from the older days and some of it's from different parts of my life and even different members or parts of the band you know, so it's a little hopefully you can't hear that when you listen to it, but when I listen to it, I can kind of hear little tiny nudges in all these different directions and uh i we've we've written pretty much the second album in the last few months and yeah i'm excited to to kind of have something that's really and truly like uh, a progression and a and much more of a i don't know maybe i'm too close close to it to answer this question yeah. but but maybe like suffice temperature suffice temperature to do, say like, i'm I'm, I'm looking forward to doing the next thing and i am i am proud of that album and and
0: so what kind of direction without spoiling it do you see it going like what does it sound different or is there just like you can just feel the confidence that you've got now uh i don't know i feel like like do you feel like you've, you get a monkey off your back doing a first album
1: yeah, yeah. Well, it's it, you just feel compelled to to do it, like like anything, you know. Like you're certainly not doing it for the money, but it's it's you do it because you love it. And I love writing, and I love recording, and I love performing. So it's it's I would never describe it as like some sort of undertaking, even that kind of is what it is. Um, now, I I I love the record. I'm really proud of the songs, and I think we pushed ourselves to create something that was entirely what we wanted to make um but it was made in a very dark mad period and i look forward to hearing what like the next chapter sounds like and i think it just sounds a bit less uh, lockdowny <laughs> <laughs> less lockdowny yeah it's probably going to be a few less uh minutes on each song.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we need a three minute pop song.
1: Honestly, there's a couple of three minute pop songs. That's that's the big I I don't want to spoil it, but there's a couple of three minute pop songs. It's it's sort of more extreme in every direction. So the short ones are short, the long ones are longer. The poppiness is amped up to even poppier, the dirtiness is even more filthy. So <laughs> Yeah.
0: <laughs> even more filthy. I love it. Um so I mean, you were talking earlier about writer's block, and it sounds like Thumper almost came from that writer's block. Have you have you experienced it since at all?
1: Uh, yeah. You know, you go you go through. I I kind of um, I'm a little bit more zen about it these days.
0: You you know that you can kind of write yourself out of it. it well, just
1: goes. just that I don't freak out when I'm not when I'm not coming up with gems every day. You know, I kind of think it it sort of comes in seasons or something. Like you know. A huge chunk of this, of both the record that we just put out and the one we're writing now, they're all written in kind of big clumps, and I think that's just the way it happens. Uh, you can you can go hard on yourself, you know, when it's not working. But now, ultimately, it it is a practice. So, like I'm, you know, you 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 are you are doing it every day. It's just a case of whether it's good or whether you can, you know just have confidence in the in in the end result.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that's like the most interesting thing. Once people actually do realize that it's practice, whether it's songwriting, whether it's a band or whatever, like that you do have to go back to the table or back to your studio and just kind of like put in an hour or something.
1: Yeah, and that's, that's really the best thing for it. You know, I've got, Jesus, I've got so many like little voice memos and stuff on my phone that are just, you know, six seconds long a minute long two minutes long ten minutes long like you know if I think it's a lot it's never gonna work if you're like okay I will now be inspired like I will now make a hit it's not gonna not gonna work like that but what you can do is sit down and just you know make it a practice make it something you do every day and make it um, something that you're trying to get better at you know with no view to coming up with (laughs) you know Bohemian Rhapsody in in an hour or whatever
0: to do Bohemian Rhapsody. That'd be interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah. I kind of, I, I do. I'm, I'm. See, a, a lot, of, a lot of the new stuff. I'm, I'm eager to do something like that. You know, like jam together all those one minute long demos. Um, I recently yeah. saw Green Day in, uh, in Marley Park, and oh, I was listening okay. to that tune. There's the American Idiot or something. The, the Jesus of Suburbia oh, yeah, yeah. song. Now I haven't listened to them since that album came out, but that was a huge one for me. Like when I was like. 11 years Mm. old i was just so blown away like all those songs are like two minutes long especially that album it's just tiny little nuggets every little bit of it is just a little perfect little moment you know so uh yeah who knows maybe there'll be no repetition in our new album at all and it'll just be yeah constantly shifting and changing confusing the listener
0: i haven't talked to anybody who was at that gig that was uh weezer green day and there was a pop-punk band there as well. Oh, uh,
1: there was Fall Out Boy as well, but I was having a point during them. <laughs> okay,
0: understandable. Uh, give me the review of the show. Was it good?
1: Uh, Weezer. Are you pro-Weezer? Uh, absolutely pro-Weezer. Yeah? 100% percent pro Even Weezer. in
0: 2022?
1: <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, what, they haven't done something terrible, have they?
0: Well, I just think they're awful. I, like, Their I, output? Uh, I think, yeah, I, just, I don't think they've got any quality control anymore.
1: Yeah, that's true, but they have the hits they have got many good songs I'd say every album they put out has at least one good yeah. song which uh, they've put out about a million albums in the last uh, 10 years or so That's no, the th- there, was a, there was a weird moment there in like 2014 where they brought out like two amazing albums I don't know if you listen to them the the white album mm. uh, not not the Beatles one the Weezer one is so good so good mm. and put like Pinkerton and the blue album and yeah all that stuff I, they were my headliner to be when I was going down there. I was like, "This is the, ma- the band oh, I want to okay. see the most." But then, for Green Day, Green Day, you know, you can't argue with it. It's just, yeah. it's just like, Jesus Christ, those lads are built to do that.
0: Yeah, I go through a Green Day phase like pretty much every year, you know. I don't think I've gone through one yet, just like listening back to uh Dookie and like all of those albums mm-hmm. through to through to American Idiot.
1: I have not listened to a single Green Day album since American Idiot. Oh okay. I don't know anything about that period, but mm. I do know that all of their all the records before that are amazing. Mm. Yeah. 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 Um, speaking
0: of older stuff, I gave you some homework. Hopefully, hopefully you did the the homework. We're going to talk about a band. Oh yes, Irish past, yeah, 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 yeah. present, future. Do you do you it have three to hand? Just in the back of my yeah. in the back of my head. What, do, do you what need we, a minute to uh, to think about it?
1: Let's let's do it like a pop quiz. What was what was the first one?
0: Okay, so band of the past, Irish band, international band, whatever you want.
1: Well, it's difficult. A lot of lot of Irish bands stick stick around. You know. Uh, I think for me, one really formative album was um, the End of History by Fionn Regan. Oh, he's still going, obviously, and mm. he's making good good records. But um, people always
0: shout him out, but I don't think I ever hear people like talking about him as kind of an an, an influence.
1: He was probably one of one of my biggest influences. I was a big folk guy when I was a teenager. You know, I didn't really. I love Nirvana and Sonic Youth and all that, but I sort of. I, I guess I figure myself like I was going to be some sort of like you know moleskin carrying you know peaked cap uh you know riddle whispering Fionregan Regan type but uh, <laughs> I don't have the I don't have the chops for that unfortunately. Uh, but now Fionn Regan that first album just just blew my mind. Uh I, I kind of saw it as like a natural progression from like uh Kurt Cobain or something because his he has this naturally sort of hyper cryptic lyric style that I just found so alluring, and as a young teenager, it's so easy to buy into that world because it's just so mysterious. And he was also quite technical as well. I don't know. I just that record for me was was huge. Not a band, I know, but that's okay. Act,
0: artist, band, whatever, whatever you want to shout out. What about a current band who uh, who's like doing it for you?
1: I um. A big advocate of uh, Junior Brother. I think his music is absolutely phenomenal. I saw he just announced his second album today. Oh, which will be the past when you're listening, yeah, listeners, yeah. Uh, listen to this. book. that's news to me. Tell me, tell me all of it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I think he's, I think he's so good, and um, you know, we kind of played all the same, a lot of the same gigs and stuff. So we've kind of come up at the same time, and yeah, I just, just love his, love his music. It's super beautiful and. Weird caustic at the same time, uh, which I guess is kind of something that we aim for as well. Um, I don't know, yeah, he, he's it's it's like it's like kind of discovering like a new color or something when I heard that. It's like it was kind sort of a combination of elements that I never thought to put together, you know.
0: I saw him playing in the in like sept- August or September 2021, and he had a band with him two two or three other members and it just sounded like yeah this will be the next kind of level forum which will be really exciting like
1: yeah i i was um depping bass very briefly with bitch falcon around that time and i we played a show that was like run by googie down in claire galway um it was like junior brother was on it and i think like the scratch and some other people but i saw saw the band then and i was really pleased that because it could have gone one or two directions, you know, like there's the kind of like, is it the back of her? Is that the name of his mm-hmm. his tune? Really beautiful, like intimate kind of style of songwriting. And then the other half of that album is sort of real <laughs> hardcore, like, you know, punching it through the speakers. Mm. I was very happy to see he went for the punching choice. <laughs>
0: uh, great fun to sing along with as well, those songs. Yeah. Especially if you've had one or two pints.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, actually, another one is is John Francis Flynn. Mm. His record, best record of the year last year for me. I won't argue with you. So good. Not
0: nominated for the Choice Prize.
1: Yeah, I reckon that's because it's all covers, is it?
0: Uh, I don't think so. Is that a rule, like they can't do that? Cause, uh, cause no, all do- no, because uh, um, Lisa... O'Neill. O'Neill. Uh, her album that got nominated a couple of years ago was uh, All Covers as well. And that can kind of put off people too. But um, no, I, I think John Francis Flynn, if nothing else, he's kind of like, he seems to be a musician's music- musician, you know? I'd say every every band who I could, I could talk about right now would probably have John Francis Flynn in their top kind of three.
1: Well, yeah, it's just, yeah, he's, he's a talented dude. I actually haven't seen him live yet, but
0: um, I've had the
1: pleasure of chatting to him a good few times at festivals and stuff. Um, lovely bloke and... and yeah, Christ, that 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 record is just stunning. Yeah, really love it.
0: And uh, Irish band to watch out for, Band of the Future?
1: It, well, one of the ex-members of Tumper is... One of the many ex-members. <laughs> <I think. laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll get out my, uh, what do you call it? <laughs> the Rolodex. The Rolodex yeah.
0: <laughs> what are they up to? I <laughs> don't
1: see many Rolodexes, these <laughs> Um Joey Gavin is the name of a amazing uh, kind of psyche... Cass McCombs-esque singer-songwriter. He's brought out a few deadly tunes. They're all up on Spotify at the minute. But he's bringing out his first record in uh, September, I think, around that time. And he's been working on that for ages. A lot of Thumper lads play on it and a lot of other amazing musicians. He's Berlin-based, but he's back and forth. And he's got an album called Between the Mountains and the Mystery coming out. Thoroughly, thoroughly recommend. It's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah.
0: Cool okay loads loads of uh, names over the past 45 minutes listen i appreciate you have me in your gaff and uh best of luck with the rest of the summer best of luck in particular with that sunday of independence and all together now
1: and you know i'm playing a solo show on the saturday as well and i'll have been at the festival all weekend so you might, I might be on a, in a wheelchair by the time i get on at <laughs> 11 o'clock <laughs> with dumper wheel you out yeah you yeah, yeah we like uh that that the dinner gig. Yeah.
0: cool nice one man thanks for the chat yeah sound. Thanks, Doshin, for the chats. Go see Thumper live. Go listen to the album. Just go. Go. Go now. Go. I won't mind. I won't mind. You heard an early Thumper track called AFL in the middle of the interview, and it played out with 25, one of the singles off Delusions of Grandeur. And now under some brand new music from Brand New Acts. First, a chat with Joe Furlong. He's one half of The Cope a musical and visual project completed by David Anthony Curley, who used to be in Otherkin, just FYI. They've just put out their debut single, True Romance, accompanied by an amazing video directed by David. Joe has just moved to Berlin, so he's talking to me from there. We talk about him moving to Berlin. Some other things you might need to know. Joe plays with James Vincent McMorrow's live band, and he's in Circa Richardson's band Circa. By chance has just announced a new album that's coming out in mid-September, which I'm very excited about, but I'm also excited for The Cope. So here's Joe talking to me from Berlin about how The Cope started, their plans going forward, and then we'll hear that debut single, True Romance, On the Point of Everything. So The Cope, tell me about how you and David Anthony Curley got together and how The Cope began.
2: Yeah, so um, myself and David are both friends of Circa Richardson's. Uh, I've been playing with Circa for years and uh, David has known her for years through his old band, uh, Otherkin. And at Circa's birthday party in 2019, we were all out in town and we were kind of mixing kind of different groups of circus friends mixing together for the first time and uh we had planned on going to to Izakaya to or Yukio, sorry, to do um, to do karaoke, and there was a mess up there where they had like double booked it, and David kind of had the realization that he had the the bits and pieces required to hold like uh, an ad hoc karaoke party back in his gaff. He's just like, "We'll just you know have a projector, we'll go on YouTube, we'll find karaoke tracks," and um, so we all ended up going back there. Funnily enough, actually, the story of that night is featured on the title track of Circa's new album um smiling like an idiot so every time i'm playing that with circa it just reminds me of that night and how good that night was wow what uh what's your go-to karaoke song it really changes depending on what kind of form i'm in i actually i have i i had to put it like a little spotify a personal spotify playlist together for myself that i could reference because my memory is really bad i don't know Whether it's like pandemic related or whatever, but my memory, my short term memory is so bad. So if somebody's asking me to sing a karaoke song, I just can't think of something on the spot. So like I, I made I made something. I made a little Spotify playlist. The last karaoke night that I was involved in, um, I sang "Missing" by Everything But the Girl. You know, like classic nineties dance hit, uh, one hit wonder kind of thing. And uh, it, went, it went down a storm. So I'll probably I'll probably stick with that. My, my other one is Private Dancer by Tina Turner. I, I like that one a lot as well. Okay,
0: okay. <laughs> um, Is Circa is Richardson the type of friend who's like mixing and matching? She's like, oh, those two friends will go well with these
2: people and that and this and that will go well together. Is she that type of a friend? That's seems I think, like a good person to have. I think Circa is just genuinely like one of the coolest people I've ever met in my entire life. And not even in the like, she tries to be cool. She's just a cool person. And because of that, I think she tends to end up surrounding herself with really nice people and really sound people um and and cool people as well i suppose so yeah it just kind of happened like that that that's that's how it went yeah she had a bunch of different friends from maybe like two or three different groups and we all ended up kind of coalescing on on that night cool and i mean getting a couple of songs out of it as well by
0: different artists like i mean that's a pretty good return for a night out yeah absolutely i've never i've certainly never been involved in another night out like that before (laughs) A well-documented in-song night. Yeah. Um, So uh, David runs The Clinic Recording Studios, which opened relatively recently in Dublin, and that's where you've done all of the... where where you made the new song, True Romance, and presumably other music as well. Tell me
2: about um, The Clinic. So um, that night, the night of Sorka's birthday party, David was maybe, like, at that point, a couple of months away from opening up The Clinic. This would have been September 2019, um, so pre-pandemic, he was getting ready to open up the clinic, was showing me pictures on his phone of the place and, and kind of the setup that he had and had said, you know, you should come down sometime and, and we can hang out. So we did that a couple of weeks later and we're just kind of playing around with the different synths and drum machines and stuff that he has and kind of weren't thinking anything of it. Um, and then we did that a couple of times over the following months and then the pandemic happened. So it meant that David couldn't open the studio um, for another I guess it was maybe six months, I think it was kind of late summer, uh, 2020. Um, so it meant that we could just kind of hang out there all the time. And it just, it started off really casual. There was no plans to do anything, but we just had so much fun making it, making the music. And there was no ego involved whatsoever. If, you know, somebody would suggest something. And if the other person didn't like it, it was just kind of it was thrown away and we move on to the next thing and there was no hard feelings about any of that it was all kind of just like egoless creation which is kind of hard to come by I think in in my experience anyway within the music industry yeah we just ended up writing stuff and and because it was during the pandemic uh we we're spending both spending a lot of time at home so I bought um Ableton Live for the first time and just started messing around with like um synths and stuff in in like soft synths in, in Ableton um would like kind of write these little ideas and 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 you know rough sketches of songs and then we'd go down to the clinic and flesh them out on on David's uh synth collection um here in here in the real deal rather than the, the virtual version of it and it just it all just sounded amazing so we kind of just followed the path of that and uh and and this is kind of where it's led us to. Uh for, for David himself then the clinic took off properly I think at the end of summer of 2020 because that's when all of the the pandemic uh, supports from for the arts council started coming out so lots of people were doing songwriting camps and stuff like that so it, it actually the pandemic worked out really really well for him because it meant that the all of that arts funding meant that he, people were able to to uh, use his studio and and work out of there so it's, it's just gone from strength to strength for him in there cool um i might ask you like more specifically about true romance uh a little
0: later but it is like super dancey I don't know like is is that always the type of music that you've wanted to make or is it just something in the past couple of years like during the pandemic and the lack of dancing
1: that kind of made
2: you made you think about that aspect well that kind of music has always been something that I've been interested in like most of my experience of being a session musician is in the like indie and alternative world but like when I was a kid I used to watch top 30 hits all the time and while I was mostly listening to in my teens, I would have been listening to like metal and rock and stuff like that. But just before that period, when you're kind of like, I guess, 11, 12, 13, watching top 30 hits and hearing like, um, like there's all I don't know if you remember watching top 30 hits, but there was always like Ministry of Sound tracks that had no videos and it was just like the Ministry of Sound logo that would rotate and rotate around all the like classic 90s stuff like Rui De Silva and um and Sash, like Encore en Foi by Sash, and all these huge, big. One Hit Wonders within the sphere of like pop music, if you like. But obviously within the dance scene, they're enormous. And and these people have had huge careers for a long time. Robert Miles, Children by Robert Miles and stuff like that. Just when you were at teenage discos, the kind of songs that would get everybody going. So that's always kind of been something I've been been interested in, but never really delved into making it. So with David's, uh, with the clinic and the collection of synths that he has there and drum machines and stuff, they're all geared towards that style of music. So it just kind of worked out that way. And we really liked what we were doing. So we decided to to just keep at it. Was David just getting itchy fingers since Otherkin had finished?
0: You know, he, he thought that he would just be happy running the studio, but then he was like, actually, I still want to make music.
2: Yeah, well, the plan with the studio, I think, for him was both to have it as a place that he would engineer, but primarily as somewhere that he could work as a producer as well. So there's loads of acts that have come out um, within the last, I guess, year, year and a half, or not necessarily new acts, but kind of up and coming acts as well, who have been doing doing the rounds for a little while, who have gone through the clinic. Um, and he's like, produced a lot of stuff that's come out of there. But even a lot of the like the recent, um, like Narrow Lane, have done a bunch of stuff in the clinic, Uh, James Vincent McMorrow recorded some songs off his, uh, not the most recent record, but the previous one, grapefruit season, he recorded some stuff in there. Circa Richardson's new album was all recorded in there. Um, and those are with varying levels of David's involvement in terms of either as an engineer or as a producer, but, um, I think the production thing was more so what the plan was for him with the clinic. He might correct me on that, but I'm pretty sure that's, that's kind of where, where his mind was at.
0: Cool. Um I'm talking to you from Berlin. You've literally just moved over there a
2: couple of days ago. Just yeah. just after the song came out, you were like, right, done. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> Moving it, over to Berlin. It wasn't planned that way, but um myself and my girlfriend Theo Theodora Byrne, who's also a musician, um, we've been planning the move for a good while now. Um and we managed to get a, a sublet for a couple of months and the the first day we could have access to it was the 3rd of August and that just lined up the way it did so it was a bit mad it was a, a full-on day on Wednesday but it was it was great kind of two felt like two big life things happening at the same time um going back to your previous question about like my interest in dance music and and um when I lived here previously in 2019 I kind of delved into the, the club scene a little bit here and just got so much enjoyment out of being in a club for hours and just dancing and uh the whole thing with the cope I guess is trying to um encourage the same experiences in other people that I have had in those scenarios where it's kind of like we're getting too deep about it or too existential about it but I kind of see it as like dancing as therapy so like just having like a really deep experience whether it be by yourself or with your friends or experiencing something with your eyes closed on the dance floor and then looking up and seeing a total stranger and realizing that they're having the exact same experience or something similar. Uh, I think there's a real, real, there's a real power in that. So that was kind of part of the the Berlin thing for me. I know obviously a lot of people like, uh, give us the night have been talking at length about the lack of, um, funding for the, that similar scene in, in Ireland and how that scene has kind of taken a, a bit of a battering, but, um, I didn't really find it in, when I came back from Berlin, I didn't really find it, um, similar kind of accessible scene there for me anyway, but maybe I was just too old for the Irish scene. Maybe it's a younger scene in Ireland, I don't know. But uh, that's kind of where where the Berlin idea came from. And I have a lot of friends who live here as well and just their quality of life is just so much better than than at home. Yeah, I guess that's it though about Dublin. Like, you know, that there wasn't kind of something for you here. Yeah, absolutely. In In all aspects, I think like I've been... My family's all from Dublin originally, but I grew up in in near Dundalk, and I've been I've been living in Dublin for ten years. I went back to study in BIM, um, and lived in, in Dublin uh, from that point. But it just feels in those ten years that there has been more and more taken away from the kind of cultural community, and um, I know people need to be there to fight for that. But I just got to a stage where I was so beaten down by it that was like I need to I need to get out of here. Mm. Does living away from Dublin, like with, I don't know, with
0: James, I think James is living here and Circa is living here as well. Like, does that affect like he and ye you playing with um, with their live bands or anything like that? Or is it just like, it's as easy as, you know,
2: just booking one, two hour flight? It's basically it, yeah. Like it would be different if we were looking at moving to Australia or something like that. But Berlin is so close to home. You're two hours or so on a flight in and your and you're home. So the ideal situation is that those events happen where there's like a block of it so you're not going home just for for one-off gigs i mean obviously i'll do that anyway but um it's more uh beneficial to be like for example sorka is doing a has an irish um, and european run in november so i'll go home for that Um, we will do the tour all across europe and then come back to berlin afterwards i keep saying home i'm only in <laughs> berlin three days so <laughs> dublin is still technically home in my mind but uh hopefully this will be home soon that's good that's good you've settled quickly Yeah.
0: It's easy. It's easy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to, um, love to get back to Berlin, but tell me
2: about, um, tell me about the cope. Like what are, what are the goals? What are your plans? Um, the goal basically is just to kind of go as big as we can with it. Like the end goal would be like, in terms of like the live show would be kind of something similar. I think to what the chemical brothers do, where they basically have their entire studio on stage and then have some like old, man from England who's like a midi nerd who comes and sets everything up and makes sure everything works the way it's supposed to work because that stuff can can be a nightmare to to get right sometimes. It's not as bad as it used to be. Um like when you think of like Rick Wakeman and all those like synth dudes from like Yes and all those proggy bands where they were using analog synths in the 70s and just trying to deal with like the temperature differences in the tuning uh, nightmares that they would have, but that would be the end goal. Like the whole thing is we just want to make music that people will want to dance to and marry that i guess with like the visual aspect of it as well because david has very much got like a brain for the visual world mine mine is less so uh tuned to that i think mine is more focused on the musical aspect of it but david has a, a vision i think for the visual aesthetic that um is really really impressive i have to say so watching him kind of figure all that stuff out like the video for true romance he directed that himself um and he kind of had the vision for that quite early on You know, so the goal will be just continue developing that. We'd like to get touring um, as soon as possible and get playing shows as soon as possible. Um, and then also kind of work in, it would be nice to work in kind of film working soundtrack and that kind of thing as well uh, on the downtime from tours.
0: Cool. Let's take a listen to True Romance in a second. Do you want to introduce it? Like, tell us, like, what it's about, maybe? And also, is it a nod to the Lady Gaga
2: song, True Romance? (laughs) Uh, No, it's not, unfortunately. Um, There definitely is some Lady Gaga references in other music that we have. um, But um, True Romance, basically, the the main piano um, progression, the chord progression, came from a song that Theo wrote like in college, ten years ago, that nothing ever really happened with. Um, I remember going to DIT um, Rathmines with Theo because they had like pianos and stuff there, and we recorded it. So about I guess two years ago, I was going through an old hard drive and found that, and I sent it to David. And I was like, these these piano chords are really really nice, and kind of within like a day or so, he had a rough draft of what True Romance ended up becoming in general when it comes to our songwriting it can be a mix between us writing stuff in a room together or sending stuff back and forth for true romance most of the uh, like david wrote the lyrics uh, and melody for that one uh technically theo wrote the piano chords i guess and then uh, i was more involved in the production side of things so and um, that was the genesis of that track the name obviously true romance isn't said in the lyrics anywhere but our friend carly uh when we showed it to her she heard the lyrics you are cool so cool and thought it was a reference to the note that Patricia Arquette's character leaves in the film True Romance um, so it kind of just worked and it kind of seemed to fit the song so uh, that's where that came from
0: cool nice one uh, listen thanks a million for chatting introducing us to The Cope listen to True Romance now and best of luck in Berlin
2: thanks so much Owen appreciate it
3: you spent Time on our song. Do you think about what led your life to mine? And I can't be without you. You are cool, so cool. You are cool, so. time on our song as you think aloud you edge your life from mine and I can't live without you, you are cool.
0: So that's True Romance by The Cope. You can follow them at thecope.com. That's the-cope.com. Instagram, they're thecope636. And Twitter, thecope636. And so now, finally, a new track from Nisha, a queer songwriter, multi-instrumentalist and producer from North Dublin who released their debut EP, I'm Not a Woman, in July. I'll just read from the press release. This is a five-track garage folk rock EP about gender, more specifically about being non-binary. I identify as non-binary, which means I don't identify as being either a man or a woman, making me part of the trans community. I have written, performed, recorded, and mixed the entire EP on my own with mastering by Kevin Brennan. I also made the artwork with some help from artist Kuan Cusack. Nisha adds, I think I have a unique story to share. So that got my interest. That piqued my interest. And the B, I'm Not A Woman, is great. It's five tracks. It's available wherever you stream your music. I was particularly drawn to the track Normal Freak. And Nisha has been so kind as to let me play it in full. But first, we'll hear a little from Nisha explaining it.
4: Hello, my name is Nisha. I am a songwriter, multi-instrumentalist and producer from the north side of Dublin, Finglas. I currently live in Waterford City. I recently released my first EP, which is called I'm not a woman. And it explores my identity as being a non-binary person and a queer person, and how I don't identify as a man or a woman. And my experience with gender through that, with how I experience it as someone who lives in Waterford, who lives in Ireland at the moment. The song you're about to hear is a song called Normal Freak which is about my experience of how a lot of people like to say they celebrate uniqueness and different types of people. But yes, when I have found that I was different and when I wasn't feminine enough or wasn't adhering to gender norms, I found that that uniqueness wasn't appreciated the way I thought it was going to be when I heard people talk about how amazing it is to be different and to be unique and that kind of like hypocrisy around there's only certain types of ways to be unique that are actually appreciated and when you think about that that means that it's not really unique in the first place if everyone is unique in the same way in the same acceptable way so yeah this is my track normal freak hope you like it my name is nisha and you can check out all my stuff at nisha Music.
0: So that's Normal Freak by Nisha off their debut VP, I'm Not a Woman, and that's the show for today. Thanks to Ushin, thanks to Joe, thanks to Nisha for the chats. If you've made it to the end, thank you. Please rate and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Go support the artists that you heard on the show. I'll be back next week with some more chats and possibly, maybe, perhaps, a catchphrase by way of introduction. If you have any ideas, you can get me on Twitter, at tpoe blog or you can email the point of everything at gmail.com and send me a voice note as well play that on the show maybe depends anyway how exciting a catchphrase now i'm off to listen to mark Marin <laughs>